Good evening. My name is Vivian Fisher, and I manage the African American Department here at the Central Library. And it's on behalf of our CEO, Dr. Carla Hayden, the boards of trustees, and the board of directors, and the staff, I welcome each and every one of you here this evening for our guest speaker. Um, before we get started, um, I would like to introduce Mr. Tommy Saunders, who will introduce our speaker, Yvonne Metley. Thank you. For those of you who do not know me, my name is Tom Saunders, and I'm president of Renaissance Productions and Tours. And so first, before I introduce Yvonne Medley, I would like to thank the people who helped us with the wonderful meal that you ate today. Okay, so it look, if I miss anyone, I apologize. I see Francis Jeffries and uh, Mary, now that I'm forgetting your last name, Mary Mitchell is here. Uh, uh, Barbara is here, Paul is here, uh, Ann Virgin, and so all of my neighbors, I would just like to give them a thank you because they all chipped in to help with the meal this evening. So let's give them a round of applause. Now the reason why we are here tonight is to celebrate Yvonne Medley's new book. Uh, a lot of you I see have been to some of the book parties earlier, and so you're familiar with the previous book uh, that she wrote that was called God in Wingtip Shoes. And so this is the follow-up to that book. And so tonight uh, we're celebrating the publishing of Juby Stone, Saved by the Vine. And this story is set in Baltimore, and it tells the story of a 19-year-old Jubilee who was her family's gift. Her parents had waited so long to have a child that they were just so happy to have her that they spoiled her. But eventually she falls to the street and Juby becomes a drug addict and a prostitute. And so uh, Yvonne Medley is here and so she can tell you more about tonight's book. Uh, we plan to have a dramatization tonight. Uh, we'll hear some words from the author, Yvonne Medley, and at the end, uh, we will be selling the book, and she will be autographing the book this evening. So at this time, I would like to introduce to you Miss Yvonne Medley, Mrs. Yvonne Medley. Good evening, everybody. Oh, boy, and thank you um, so much for coming. I've almost said hello anyway <laughs> prior to, and uh, I'm just delightful, and I'm, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for this event. This is my second year uh, being a part of the Writers Live at the Enoch Pratt Library. It's an aw awesome opportunity. Last year, I was talking about my debut novel, and that was God in Wingtip Shoes, and this year, I'm here talking about the prequel. Though it just came out over the summer, it's the prequel to God in Wingtip Shoes. So we're going to have a good evening. I hope you enjoyed the food. All righty. And uh, you know Tom Saunders, and he's, uh, um, he's wonderful at this. He's helped me, helped me realize this opportunity. Uh, he's an historian, and he has the... Uh, Renaissance Productions, I, I imagine most of you know about that, and his Black History Tours and all, and he has helped to arrange for a wonderful, dramatic performance of the first chapter in God, in, I'm sorry, in uh, Juby Stone, Juby Stone Saved by the Vine. Uh, a little bit about the book. It has turned out to be a tribute to uh, domestic violence awareness. And I had not planned for that to happen, but there are several streams in that book that deal with, um, deals with domestic violence, some issues in all. And those who have read the book, I have gotten response from readers who said that they understood, they wanted to talk a little bit about it. It has turned out to be a safe place to talk about some serious issues when it comes to that, when it comes to family and communication, uh, church, sex, all sorts of things. And I'm very, very happy for that. It's turning out uh, to be a mission. And I'm so glad. Uh, Juby Stone started out as a short story and uh, it was about a 
young girl who was a, who became estranged from her family, and uh, she meets someone who who's just not good for her, and he turns her out, and she uh, he introduces her to drugs, so she's having trouble with drug abuse. She's also uh, having trouble. She's a prostitute, and she's he's beating her up, all sorts of things. And that stems from some of the stories that I have um, heard from female inmates. For nearly 20 years now, I do prison ministry. And I also teach writing workshops behind bars. And some of the stories that you hear will just break your heart and to know that can this really be happening. And Juby Stone, that came out of some of those stories that I have heard. So some of it is is coming from real life, real life issues. So I'm hopeful that you'll take the book. Uh, in, a, in a minute, you're about to meet Juby Stone at 19. And she's just about a month from turning 20. And she's been estranged from her family since about, I'd say, 16. Uh, she's out in the street. She's trying to make her way. And she's pretty, pretty sick and tired of the way that she's living her life. And um, when I wrote, when, when Juby Stone evolved into a novel, the prequel of God in Wingtip Shoes, I said to myself, what has happened to this young lady to make her go down this road or to cause her to go down this road? Uh, because people don't end up where they end up without a reason. Everybody has a backstory. And uh, for myself as a reporter and, and an author, I'm about the backstory, finding out why people do the things that they do. And uh, in formulating the novel, I decided to give Juby my story. And uh, I'm so glad that I did. I don't know what gave me the nerve to do it. But uh, Juby Stone in the book, when she's 14, she meets a young man whom she was not familiar with, and she invites him into her home when her parents aren't there, and a sexual assault happens. That sexual assault results into a pregnancy, and Juby turns 15 in the middle of that, and uh, she hides the pregnancy for eight months. At the end of the eight months, she's not talking to anybody because what she knows is sex before marriage is a sin. That's what she's, that's what she's gotten from her family. She didn't get any much, much more information than that, but sex before marriage is a sin. This is a shame, and that is what she becomes consumed with more than the sexual assault. I can't tell anybody, or oh, I need to die. I need to get away from the family and all. And so that is my story. That is something that actually happened to me. And uh, at the end of that eight months, I, I gave birth to a stillborn, a breech birth that's feet first, in my bedroom, in the dark, by myself. And at that point in time, I did not know what terms meant, like, such as labor. I didn't, I had not heard of your water breaking. I didn't know what was happening to me until the baby actually came. So if you should take this book and you read that part, it's pretty graphic. I, I went there. I'm, I'm raw and I've revealed myself. Um, that is what that is my story, and that is the part that I use to catapult Juby into the trouble that she is. If you ever look at people on the street and you you see that they're they're high or they're they're nodding or whatever, don't you wonder how they get there? Because that wasn't the life plan. If you have someone that you're related to, how do they get in that situation? So I gave her my story. I gave her my story. And I tell you what I did think that evening was that I was dying. I was bleeding to death. And a 15-year-old shouldn't look at dying by themselves as a, re as a relief. I can remember there was no fear at all, just hopeful that I would be dead by the time someone, someone found me. 
the other part of that story is that my mother, my mother was a nurse, and um, she came home somewhere in that time, and she had to have seen everything, and she stepped over it and went to bed. And uh, I didn't call her for help until the baby came, because I was intending on being being dead when something like when when the whatever this was happened. I just knew there was a, a lot of blood loss, and I figured that's that would be the end of me. I did not find out until my 30s why she did that, because she was a very good mother. She's a single parent. She did all she could do for me. Uh, but she had gone through some trauma, and it must have triggered something. And she had to bypass it. And so how many of you know that parents can't give you more than what they have? They give you all they have, but they can't give you any more. And that is the only reason I can think of for that to have happened. God bless her, and she's fine. Uh, my mother's in a nursing home now. And uh, know that we have never discussed it, never, ever, the particulars, and now we never will. So I pray for the opportunity to discuss it with readers. Because if you, if you don't share what you know or, or what you need to protect your, how you need to protect your children, somebody else will get them. Somebody else will get them. And uh, it's worth it to have an open dialogue. I see Reverend Calhoun, <laughs> Reverend William C. Calhoun. He's back there from Trinity Baptist Church. Uh, he was riding up the road furiously from Richmond. And uh, to, to introduce me, thank you, Reverend, for coming. And um, he is out. He's the pastor of our home, our home church here in Baltimore. And I just wanted to say a little bit, if you get to see him after the uh, event is over, just, just look at him. Just look at him. I used his flesh to formulate a character in my debut novel, God in Wingtip Shoes. Uh, that is based on a real-life pastor in the area, in Maryland, I won't say in the area, in Maryland, who fell off his pedestal. And uh, in the book, he had a mentor who tried to keep him on the straight and narrow, very complex character. And I used Reverend Calhoun to, to formulate that character, to put flesh around it, because as a writer, that's what you do. That's how you can relate to what you read, if there's flesh around those characters. And so I'm very thankful um, to see him here. He's read all of the books, and I'm, I'm just very thankful. Uh, really quickly, before we, uh, you're about to meet Juby at 19 and uh, find out what kind of trouble she's in. She's, uh, as I said before, she's, doing, she's in prostitution. She has a no good boyfriend who turns her out in the street. She has a, a drug abuse problem. And now, right about now, she's only coming to her parents' home when she needs to try and get some money because she's tired of trying to get money the other way she's forced to get it or trying to maybe lift something from the home. And so you're about to meet her. But before we do, are there any questions? Yes. I, I was looking at this here. And then when you said you put flesh around your character, yes. now I'm going to ask this question. Yes. Is that someone in particular? No, it isn't. Um, God in Wingtip Shoes and Juby Stone Saved by the Vine, is, uh, both of those books are traditionally published. So it's really the publisher's job to pick, uh, the, to pick the cover. And when I saw that cover, I fell in love with it. It was like it was Juby. That, that person, I don't know who she is, but she's real to me. I really do love that. Any other questions? Okay, y'all are shy. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to find out where the uh, actors are, and uh, in a few minutes you're going you're gonna to see those words come alive. Okay? And thank you. God bless. So at this time, we'd like to welcome to our stage Ola Lawal, who will be portraying Juby. 
Kayla Wall, who's the founder of Woundwork Productions, will be portraying Esther, Juby's mother, and portraying her father, James, will be Paul Robinson. call before you come. I asked you that. Look, I'm getting ready to fix dinner, and if you're asking for some money, Juby, I don't have any money, so don't don't even start that. What's that you just put in your pocket? Uh-huh. I'm going to ask you again. What do you think that you're going to leave out of here with this guy? Because, oh, no, you're not. Oh, no, you're not. I'm going to ask you again, Juby. What? What are you talking about? You getting old, you starting to see things again, Ma. You starting to see things, but if you think that you're getting out of here with my bracelet, you are sadly mistaken, my dear. Ma, hey, look, I just came to say hi. I see how you're doing. I thought we could sit and talk or something, but I see you tripping, so I'm going to go ahead and get out your hair, okay? What you doing? I said I'm leaving. What you doing? I'm telling you now. I'm telling you now. You are not leaving here with my bracelet in your pocket. And whatever else of mine you've lifted that's inside that pocket. You can go. Matter of fact, I prefer you to go. Go on. I prefer you to go. But whatever's of mine in there, it's going to stay here. I'm not playing. I swear to you, Juby, I am not playing. Give me my bracelet. Give me my bracelet, Juby. Juby, I'm not playing with you. What are you doing? Just went down, Juby. 
You don't listen. You don't want anything. You be my God. Jay, just get out of here. Just get out of here. Just get out. <laughs> Look at that girl. You just ruined her life. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. My That was wonderful, wasn't it? That was wonderful. <laughs> Boy, I'm telling you, I don't know about you, but I think we need to take that on the road. <laughs> yes, that was just great. <laughs> that was, and that was indeed, uh, you have just seen the first chapter. That was the first chapter of, of Juby. It starts with a fist fight. And then we go all we go down and figure out these characters and where they've come from and why they are who they are at that point in time. But I can tell you that the story ends well. I can tell you the story ends well. Because for one thing, I'm alive. I'm really alive. <laughs> Inside and out. And if I had the opportunity to tell 15-year-old Juby, I'd tell her to hold on. I'd tell her it's not as bad as it looks, that if you can just hold on to God, hold on to yourself, things will get better. And I hope that if there's anyone you have in your life who's despondent, who's uh, depressed, who feels like it's never going to get better, if they're still alive, alive then there's still hope. There's still hope. There's still faith. And uh, that is the message of Juby Stone, saved by the vine. So thank you. I appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed the food and all. And please, if there are any questions you'd like to ask on how the book evolved or, or what's happening to these stories or these characters, I'd appreciate it. Yes. Do you have any kind of intermediary to help you uh, reconcile with your mother? Anybody to help you with that? That's a very good question. No. No, there was, there was nothing. There was nothing. I can tell you, um, I'm telling my age, but that, that's, you probably can see that anyway. But <laughs> uh, it happened in, in the 70s. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I think uh, people were just trying to get through what they had to get through. And there was absolutely no talking at all. No talking at all. No hashing out. I, I can remember for myself uh, being in the hospital. Um, I took um, quite, a, quite a large trans blood transfusion. I was in the hospital for a week, and I had only one visitor. One visitor, I had an uncle who came and asked, who did this to you? And that was the only person who acknowledged anything. That was, And I was afraid to tell him, so I wouldn't tell him. I wouldn't answer the question. And uh, so there was just absolutely uh, no therapy or anything. You just had to keep it moving. Yeah. Yes. Yes, yes, I'm, I'm so available, and I have some cards out there uh, for book discussions. I will come anywhere to talk about this. I was at a, um, thank you for asking that, I was at a book discussion um, in October, and uh, some of the, it was ladies, and some of them were asking me a couple of questions. One lady was asking me, well, did you, did you ever, uh, did anything ever happen to the fella who did this to me? And I said, no. And, and, and she said, well, do you know where he is? And I had to answer, no. I don't even know his last name. It was just that quick. I never saw him again after that assault took place. Never, ever again. 
And as I said, I, I didn't tell anybody the first name that I knew. And uh, she asked me those questions, and then we went on with it was a pretty meaty uh, conversation. And when I was leaving and heading down the steps of the library, she hurried up after me. And she came to me and pulled me aside and said, do you know that happened to me too? And she said, I did, I did find the, the man who did that to me. And I asked him, I got a chance to ask him, why did you do that? How could you do that? And she said, do you know what he said to me? And I said, what? She said, he said, oh, I was just young. You know, just, oh, you know, just, just shoot it away. And it had to be something that was just traumatic in her life because she couldn't even share that with the group that was, that was gathered, gathered together. And she came and told me that. So those kinds of things, and I've heard some of those before. I've gotten emails. Uh, I had a um, two-hour conversation with someone who called me up and uh, talked about it, who had had a similar uh, experience. And, and that's where the idea to say this, I can talk about domestic violence awareness with this. I can, I can give this cause to bring this out. I can give this cause to talk about communication with the family. And there's a funny little excerpt in the book where the mother, the mother's name is Esther, and of course the young lady's name is Juby. And sometimes my mother's Esther. Sometimes I'm Esther. Sometimes I'm Juby. And sometimes Juby is that character. My youngest daughter is here. Both my daughters are here. And I told her when she gives me a hard time about going to church, sometimes she's Juby. <laughs> and, she, and she sees that, you know. So, but there's a, a funny instance where my mother tried to tell me about the birds and the bees. You see, I'm calling it birds and the bees. It was... <laughs> <laughs> I'm having trouble now. And the, the talk. And, um, oh, my goodness, I really must have punished her. Yeah, I kept asking her personal questions, and she was devastated. And we never did get that talk together. And, uh, it, but it's pretty funny. And it, you, you should read that. It's pretty funny how it, how it came about. Uh, my sister is in the audience. Hello. Yvette is here, and uh, Yvette and I were discussing it, and she said, you know, I don't recall ever getting a talk, and I said, and I know why, <laughs> but um, you, you have to share, you do have, as hard as it is, you have to share with your, with your children and your family. Yes, yes, sir, Reverend. Uh, one of the, uh, the things that I would like to talk to most of your books Yes. 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 someone who said you need to learn how to be a pleasant pest <laughs> uh, because that is a dream this what you just saw that was a dream come true to see that happen to see those words come to life and that issue uh, 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 before I, I we did this a uh, 
I have a, a actress, a young actress in the audience right now, and she played for me at a book discussion we did at the National Harbor in Washington, D.C. She played Juby, 19-year-old Juby. You want to raise your hand? And she has an acting studio, and she came out. She was so, um, her name is Sonia Hempel. And uh, she came out to see what these three actors were going to do with the part. It was just phenomenal. And I'm hopeful, I'm very hopeful that we can do this. I'm taking book discussions to another level, to another level. Yes, I will read the first chapter, but this, seeing that issue come alive, and a, a word about domestic violence, think about bullying, you know, think about abuse for, for boys and girls. Think about emotional abuse. Uh, someone uh, just, just down beating you constantly with, with criticisms, or bad words calling you out of your name. All of those things apply. Mine uh, really was, was, I imagine, date rape. You know, it wasn't a husband and wife, but there is an issue uh, in the book as well that deals with that. There was a young woman who I befriended, and at the time she was in her 20s, and I got all my information from her. And uh, my mother probably wouldn't have agreed with just the way that she was living her life, but she was a wonderful woman, and, and I could talk to her. She was in her 20s. She had um, also in real life in real life she lived on the first floor of where i lived i lived on the second floor it was just a two story kind of thing and she heard she actually heard the fight that was going on when the assault was taking place and uh she reached out to say is everything all right up there cuz she heard all the tussling and the, if there was one moment I could take back is um, sticking my head out. The, the fellow allowed me to, to stick my head out to say everything was okay. And that's what I said. If I could have said, help me. You know, if I just could have said, help me. But I couldn't, I, I, I couldn't think of what to say. Now that young lady, oh, oh yes, that young lady... As I said, she was in her 20s. She had a boyfriend. She ended up marrying him. And he beat her for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And she eventually died. She did not make it out of her 20s. And so what she knew, the information she knew, I think she was holding it because she was holding my confidence. She was the hip person, you know what I mean? And uh, she didn't realize what was going on with me, so she never told as far as I know. I don't know, because I can't ask her. I don't know. Yes. I'm going to Juby briefly at the age of 15. Yes. Did she experience any positive, supportive, mm -hmm. um, male? Um, do you mean the book? Or do you mean me? Because <laughs> there are two, two answers for that. Uh, as I said, that my mother was a single parent. My father, uh, we were, nat we're native New Yorkers, and my father was in New York. And let me just tell you, I, not until we were doing a book discussion. This one was at the National Harbor. And while I was explaining this, here, this is in 2013, it came to me. Why didn't my father come to visit me? And we had a strong relationship. Of course, it was a long-distance one, but we had one. After that incident, I, came, I went to New York to visit him, and he said one thing. He said, are you all right? And we were in the car together. He said, are you all right? And I said, yes. And he says, you mean now you're all right? And I smiled and said, yes. And that's the extent of our conversation. That was the extent of, of, of our conversation having to do with that. And I loved my father. I loved him uh, until the, I still love him. He's, he's no longer with us anymore. But nobody could talk. Nobody could say anything hard. I have no idea what they think. Far as I know, they could have thought I had a, a boyfriend and we were having sex all the time and hiding it. And I have no idea. 
And now that the years have passed, those answers, you know, those questions will never get answered. And I wondered about it. And I mean, that last one I just came up about. Why didn't he come and visit me? That I nearly died. I nearly died. And, and, he, and there was one visitor, my uncle. And in the book, I do have the father visiting me, but in real life it was an uncle who came. He was a protector of our family, and he, he was the one person who tried to do something about it. So we do need to talk. We do need to talk about uh, things that, tr that trouble us. God bless you. That, that, that trouble us in the family, that trouble us, uh, our neighbors, if you see something. If you see someone who's always, how about somebody who's always hard to get along with? Or We always talk about the person in the church where you don't want them on your ministry. You say, Lord, have mercy, Jesus, they can't get along with anybody. You know, but maybe something happened. Maybe something happened to turn them that way. Maybe they can't, they can't trust anymore. Someone, maybe somebody took their smile. It, as disciples, it's our mission, it's our duty to, to go an extra mile where you can, where you can. Don't go stronger than what you are, but if you can, if there's somebody, be, be the positive in their life because you never know. You never know whose life you're saving. You never know. I just and I for Juby, uh, and, and there are as I said, it does end well. It does end well. She um, she makes her way back at that point where you just saw in the first chapter. She she was reaching out. She she had she didn't know how to fix the situation. She just knew that she that this this situation had to be fixed that she couldn't live like that anymore, that, that that wasn't the way she was brought up. And uh, another issue with this particular book, the church does try to help this family, but the family is too proud to ask for help. And that is another issue. We step out and we're looking cute. We have our church hats on. We, the shoes are shined. And it's camouflaging a broken heart. And we can't say anything. And what, So the issue is what happens when someone tries to help you and you don't want to accept the help because you don't want to be vulnerable. And so this church does try to do something to, to, to come. The pastor tries to come. And in this instance, the, the, the mother is just mortified. She ends up in the hospital where she works. She's embarrassed. And she keeps everybody away. And I just created that scenario because to this day, I still wonder why nobody came to see me. I still would like to know no, no relatives, no, no church folk. Uh, nobody, you know, came to see me but that uncle. Yes, sir. Uh, I wonder if, in the book. Yes. Does the father really know the dynamics of what was going on with the mom and the, and the daughter? Because reading it, mm -hmm. I couldn't get a sense of whether he really knew what was really going on. Yes, that's that's good. I'm glad you said that. Um, I think he does not. <laughs> I, I purposely, I don't make it clear of whether he knows. Now, of course, he knows what's happened to Juby. Of course, he knows that. But I am not sure whether he knows what's happened to the mother. See, he's read the book. And it comes out what has happened to Esther. As it turned out, when Esther was 18, she's gone through something similar to that. And the times were different. It was the 20s and the 30s, so whatever took place took place in the backwoods somewhere. And so I don't think that uh, this father knows that, and that's why Esther clams up a little bit. She tightens up because she doesn't know what to say. Uh, another, uh, uh, Reverend Calhoun brought up the, the fact about we're hopeful to get this on a, a play started. We're hopeful to even see it 
on film. I could see um, both of those uh, books on film. I have a little novella, and that's titled The Prison Plumb Line. It's a, it's a powerful read. It's a short read. Oh, thank you. And it's based on um, my nearly 20 years in uh, prison ministry. And we have been approached by an independent film company to hopeful, hopefully option that. And we're hopeful before that happens that uh, a play will happen. Miss Sonia is kind of thinking about that, that that can become a play. It's based on the real um, instances of five female uh, inmates who, for women, when women become incarcerated, most of the time it's because they don't know their worth. And, it's, and it starts a slippery slope where they start to accept less than what they're worth. They're always helping somebody else out. They're, they're moving the drugs. They're taking the drugs to get along. They're, they're, they're stealing something because they need something for the family. There's a lot of things or the issues or just, as I said, they just don't know their worth. And um, I have met some, some women behind bars whom I will never, ever forget. They will never leave my heart. They will never leave my heart. And one young lady, she's in her 20s, and we're still reaching out to her. She's out of jail now. And I fashioned my, my main character around her. And she has a little boy. She's beautiful. In, in the prison plumb line, I have her as a, a wonderful, gifted singer, but she's a wonderful writer. She's a poet. And right now, you all pray for her. I didn't call out her name, but you all pray for her because I can't find her right this minute. And I'm hopeful that she's all right. Uh, she, it, the world should be hers, but we, we, just, we, the, we just come from so many different walks of life, and there's so much that can hurt us. We need to love and, and uplift everyone we come in contact with just because. You know, if you're in a restaurant and somebody does a good job, say something nice. Don't just let it roll through your head. You know, if you see something, you like something, or someone's giving you a nice smile, just say something because it could be the lifesaver at that moment. So I am, yes. Oh, yes. Um, in terms of uh, the writing. Yes. Um, did you do that as? I do um, the, the ask, to answer that latter part uh, the sequel for God in Wingtip Shoes must come out and uh, so I'm working you know my mind is musing and uh, I think he may end up in jail a little bit <laughs> <laughs> that may happen. So um, that that should probably be the very next thing. I do have a collection of short stories. Um, I love writing. I love writing. And it was funny. I um, was going through some of my mother's things and looked at some uh, report cards. And one, uh, a fourth grade report card, the, the teacher said she loves social studies. She loves telling stories. She loves <laughs> history. I said, oh, my goodness, I do love to write. <laughs> I do. I do. I have for a long time. I love watching people. And everybody has a story. Everybody has a story. I can't express that enough that um, for some of you who are parents, I assure you, your children don't know you. They don't know you. They don't know your hopes and dreams. They don't know who you were before you had children because now your life revolves around them. And, and you, you, you do them a disservice if you leave this earth without telling your story. So I, I love to tell the story of people. It's so interesting. Of, of course, as a journalist, I wrote for the Washington Times on staff, and I wrote as a freelancer for nine years at the Washington Post, and I was a features writer. So uh, someone asked me, I had a friend, and we were going out to dinner, and we saw uh, some uh, ammu we saw the police and, and, and a lot of uh, 
uh, emergency vehicles and things in front of a 7-Eleven. So she teased me. She said, um, well, don't you want to go and cover that? And I, and I said, not unless they dance a jig, because <laughs> I'm a features writer. I love to write the, about ordinary heroes. And uh, I, I covered a, I spent a lot of time writing about celebrities as well. But it, my question is always, how did you know you could do what you do? Who told you? Where did you get that inspiration? How did it start? That backstory. That backstory, and I think it's worth getting out, and everybody in this room has one. So I hope I answered that question. Oh, okay, yes. What advice would you give to someone that um, may not be a, a great writer, but mm -hmm. a story to tell and want to share with? Yes. Um, I say write it. I said, well, just don't worry about being a great writer because you can learn uh, the tools, you know, of the trade. What, what's, what's, what, what, what we journalists call is sexy is the story. <laughs> and if the story is sexy enough, somebody will write it down for you. <laughs> you, can <tell. laughs> you can speak it into a tape recorder. You can get that thing out. Um, the other thing is writing saved my life as well. It was, it's empowering. It's something that nobody can tell you not to do. Nobody can tell. If you can say, well, I love, I'd love to go horseback riding. Maybe that's what I'll do. Then you say, well, I don't have the money. Well, maybe I can't get to where, you know, the horses are. Maybe I can. Maybe this is. Or you want to go skiing. You say, well, that's an expensive uh, sport. Well, maybe I don't have. But you can get a piece of paper and a pencil. You can, you, every year, every January, I make it a ritual to buy a new journal. And sometimes it's a notebook. Sometimes I go real fancy and it's leather. Sometimes it's a, this year it's a little piece, a little one in my pocketbook that I can, a little pink book that I put in my pocketbook. And I can, and there are no rules. Because don't buy a journal and say, all right, every afternoon at 5 o'clock, I'm going to write. Now it turns into a job because now you're spazzing when you can't do it. You're the God of what you write. You're the God of your story. You write it when you feel like writing it. And, and be big and bad enough to write whatever it is you need to write. Don't worry about, you know, Uncle Lou and Aunt Mary. So, ooh, I can't, ooh, I can't write that day. You know, <laughs> don't worry. Be, they'll, they'll get with it. It's all right. Be true to what you write. And, yes, and if you have a story, you are a writer. And I, I, I love it. It gave me empowerment. It, it gave me, I, I, I started, I think in the, uh, might have been in the 80s when I started writing short stories, just being very serious about it. And uh, I was unhappy during that time. And all I can tell you is some, somehow that changed. Somehow that changed. It's cathartic. Uh, in, in the jails, when I teach writing, and sometimes when I do writing workshops uh, that I do um, in Southern Maryland, you, uh, you, writing is a way of improving, enhancing your life skills. It's a way, it's your business plan. It's your life plan. It's, it's conflict resolution. It's anger management. So uh, they are uh, the literary arts. It's wonderful. And again, nobody can tell you not to do it. You can do it. You are the boss. <laughs> I love it. Yes. Commercial okay. okay. I don't know if you, you mentioned how five way on her husband. Uh, That's Robert Medley. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, talking about the writings, Yvonne is really, she really likes to, you know, encourage folks. So, in that note, we have a uh, writing club which we, we just became nonprofit incorporated. And officially we have uh, 45 members in the club. And uh, we've been in existence now for about seven years. I say we, I haven't written anything. <laughs> but, uh, but I'm one of the directors, very supportive of my wife. And I, you know, she, she did mention, um, you know, the first book and the, um, the novella, quite happy and honored to you know, go around. But I told her, Reading Juby, of course, I knew the story. 
And Doc said, this is going to be tough. I don't know if I'm going to make it through these sessions. That all being said, again, I had two wonderful in-laws, father-in-law, and she said, I don't know what, you know, you had to know. He was a good man, but there were certain things. And of course, like she said, he was up in New York. My mother-in-law, we uh, we love each other. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, we we kind of we kind of learned to kind of get along. She actually came and stayed out with us for yes, a while. Yes, that was you know quite the end of the boy cities. My grandson, we would go to the ball games with her and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Certain things you just don't mention. So that's just the way. Yes. It yes. Yeah, so if you are interested in writing and you can't figure out how to get started, you know she's the one mm-hmm. to, to get you started. Um, she she she's really really giving and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Again, uh, commercial note: we're going to be doing uh, this is our seventh year. We'll be in in, in uh, January, and to that we're going to have our fourth annual um, holiday celebration. It's going to be down in Waldorf at the uh, JCs. It'll be a monetary cost, so if you're interested, you can come on come on down and party with us. Yeah, yeah. By the way, we have a couple of writers here. Yes, we do. Who journeyed out? Yes, yes. I um, I I I have to. Um, is uh, Malcolm? Did you raise your hand? Okay, and Karen, Karen, and and um, Mary. Yes, and I saw another hand over here raised up. A writer. I I just wanted to say also, uh, my my mother's being taken care of. Uh, She's in a nursing home. My younger sister is her caregiver, and I'm so thankful she she broke away a little bit to to be here. But she is she's to be commended for all that she's doing for her. We we it's it's about unconditional love. I'd like to ask uh, Reverend Calhoun to come up and give us a, a little benediction, and then Tom Saunders will say something. I'm going to be out in the hallway, and I'm hopeful that I'll see you, because I heard that somewhere around 8 o'clock, we don't have to go home, but we do have to get out of here. So, <laughs> Okay, so Reverend Calhoun. Thank you so much. The benediction is to say God bless you, Mom. God keep her. And God bless you. And God keep you. And may God cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you all and give you his peace. Amen. Amen. Okay, Yvonne's husband, Bobby, will be stationed at the table right outside the door. Uh, If you don't have a copy of Juby, uh, Stones Saved by the Vine, you can purchase it at the first table. Yvonne will be near the exit where she will be autographing the books. So that's how it'll go. And I knew I would forget to thank somebody. I want to thank Karen Robinson, Roz Anthony, uh, and Virgin. Uh, They all helped us with preparing the food this evening.